And one of the things we talk about is if we don't give effort, if we're not recognized for effort at the University of Oklahoma, then I'm a con man and they're a fraud. All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast. It's brought to you guys from Crimson and Cream Machine. It's the post-game podcast edition. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere you guys can really get a podcast. I'm going solo today, guys. Uh, Steven is uh, doing some adult stuff, moving moving to a different house. So uh, just going to be you and me, guys. And honestly... There's a lot to talk about, and it really has nothing to do with the game. Uh, the Sooners won 27-14. to They did not cover the line. They didn't go. They were way on the under, which was 62.5, which I think surprised a lot of people. The line was 22.5. The Sooners only won by 13. Senior day at Owen Field and Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium. Honestly, guys, this game is not going to be remembered because of anything that happened actually during the four quarters. This game is going to be remembered because of the storylines of the week. So they're going to be thinking of what happened before the Big 12 title game two weeks before or whatever, whatever of all that stuff. I mean, this game's just going to be tossed out. Nobody's going to look at the stats. Nobody's going to want to talk about it. And I mean, let's take a look at all the things that really happened this weekend. I'm sure I'm going to miss some of these things. So we knew that Oklahoma not just the football team, but also the basketball team, we knew they were all having COVID issues pretty much all week. And we weren't sure maybe what was going to happen when the test came out on Monday. <clears throat> we were waiting basically what to see what would happen on a Wednesday because Oklahoma, you know, they weren't sure that they were going to be able to play. It, Monday, they looked like maybe sure, yeah, but we have to test Wednesday. And then, okay, of course, it came back. And um, so Oklahoma was hell bent on playing this game. Uh, they only had they only needed to win one of the two games, like you know, before the regular season's over to get make to the Big Twelve title game. Of course, they took care of Baylor, so that's done. And of course, they could lose to West Virginia and still went make it to the Big Twelve title game and all that other stuff. But that doesn't really matter right now. Bob Stoops was actually coaching in Norman. I mean. Alex Grinch wasn't really there, but although he was kind of actually there, Odom was having some issues. Uh, looked like Beamer was having some issues. Uh, DeMarco Murray was a rumored one. Lincoln Riley was always there. Uh, so was Bill Wiedenboe, I believe. And so, I mean, it's just there was so much weirdness going on. Like, like people thought, oh, my goodness, if Odom can't coach and if Grinch can't coach, um, does that mean Bob Stoops is going to be on the sideline in a visor as an assistant to Lincoln Riley while he has a statue outside of the stadium? Because it was a very real thing. And then it turns out, as far as what I saw today, that Alex Grinch had a false positive and then he had two negative uh, COVID tests and then he, he got cleared for the game. So that was a very weird situation. And so while he was actually not there on the field, though, like he was actively coaching on via a loudspeaker on the field. I don't know if like if he was in the offices, if he was just getting a straight up a stream to where he was watching the practice. I don't know. I just know he was coaching on a loudspeaker. And that is incredible. The fact that it's 2020, not just the fact that the year sucks, but like the actual technology that's involved. Because think about, you know, Stoops in 2010. This wouldn't be happening in 2010, you know, especially with the Stoops guy, especially with all the technology we have available to us. Uh, it's just incredible what we're able to do. Meanwhile, Shane Beamer, you know, they, they, South Carolina, they've been hosting a, co a coach search for sure. 
and Shane Beamer, his name came up as a candidate. And a lot of people said, oh, you know, whatever. But I was thinking like the entire time this year that it seemed like Shane Beamer would be maybe a pretty decent offensive coordinator, I thought, uh, for a team. And uh, I guess South Carolina, a few days before today and yesterday, they somebody rumored to say, oh, Shane Beamer looks like the guy. And, and I, it was just some blog, I believe, and I retweeted them. And, and then he's rumored to be, you know, out with COVID along with the uh, prospect for the South Carolina Gamecock job. And then... Just this morning, it's official, or late last night, I can't remember, it was, oh yeah, last night, he accepted it, this morning, he was actually in South Carolina, and so, that, all that happened within a few days, and so, and now it's just like, okay, what the heck is going on, and then, the week didn't, didn't stop there, the Sooners, we knew, were gonna be missing some guys, um, some on offense, but not really. Mostly, it was going to be in the secondary. The linebackers were meh. I think Shane Witter was out because of it. Um, the defensive line was mostly pretty intact, but it was a secondary. Ellison wasn't there. Uh, it, it, it was it was a lot of guys beneath the first two, like Trey Brown and Jaden Davis. They were there, but you didn't have Woody Washington. You had Bryson Washington. You didn't have Delorean. I think you had Delorean Turner, but you didn't have Patrick Fields. You didn't have a lot of uh, Justin Broyles. You didn't have Buki. You didn't have a lot of guys out there. And so it was pretty, pretty odd. And, you know, <clears throat> this was a game against, you know, another formidable opponent. Like, if it was against a game like Texas or Oklahoma State or who's somebody else that's good at airing the ball out, if it was, oh gosh, if it was against an Iowa State, Oklahoma would be in real trouble. And so, I mean, we'll see what happens. But it seems like those guys should be back at practice seemingly soon enough. And now with the CDC guidelines, now again, less than to one week after negative tests, that's going to be a game changer. And that's what allowed some coaches actually to come to Oklahoma um, and instead of watching the game at home, actually being able to coach inside the stadium. And also now this morning, the Gundy, He's rumored to be on a short list for Mark Stoops because Mark Stoops over at Kentucky has fired his offensive coordinator and is looking to go in a different direction. And then, you know, a few people say, yeah, Gundy is a name to keep an eye on because the Stoops and the Gundys, they can't quit each other. Um, you know, Kale wants a wants to be an offensive coordinator. He also eventually wants to be a head coach. But, you know, uh, we say this every year, it seems like. So, but who, who knows? And one of the things I was thinking about regarding... Shane Beamer is now that he's taking the job at South Carolina and he's going to come back, <clears throat> which is great news. The Reds, probably the reason why he was in South Carolina this morning um, was because he ten he's going to come back and coach his position group at OU while putting together his staff for South Carolina. So that works out for both parties and lets Lincoln kind of also you know, it, it's let's making Shane Beamer do two jobs at once, but it's also letting Lincoln Riley kind of scout other dudes to play uh, that special teams H back tight ends role at Oklahoma. And G Gundy, though, he he every year he seems to be rumored for something. And Beamer leaving South Carolina, I wonder if Beamer's gonna maybe tab somebody as a defection from OU staff. Like I thought about uh, a, a Brian Odom. I thought about maybe him or somebody else along staff. Uh, that's relatively new, and so we'll talk a little bit more about Lincoln Riley and who he fi not fires, but hires after this year, and what direction the staff is going to go into. Let's talk a little bit about this Baylor game. They've been playing teams close all year long, and so people are really, you know, worried 
about Oklahoma playing a really bad Baylor team where they'd won two games all year and you know they, they they're not they're not a great team and it, that's true Baylor is not supposed to be a good team and it, especially not this year they've been having a tough time uh, you know you have this they have the whole offensive philosophy switched you have the defense actually a lot being a lot better uh, than they were anticipating because you go from Matt Rule to disciplined football to David Randa, who is a great defensive guru. He's a guy who knows what he's doing. He's doing like listen to this. <clears throat> Sorry, Baylor. They beat Kansas to open the season after the Louisiana Tech game and the Houston game were postponed. They lose to West Virginia in two overtimes, 27-21. to Baylor loses to Texas in Austin, 27-16. to They lose to TCU at home, 33-23. to They go to Ames and lose at Iowa State, 38-31. to They go to uh, Lubbock and lose to the Raiders, 24-23. to They actually beat Kansas State, which let OU just determine its own destiny for the Big 12 title game, 32-31. to and then they lose the Sooners 27 to 14. It's a 13 point gap. That is the largest gap that they've lost by all season long. They the Bears have been playing a lot of teams tough. They make just enough plays offensively um, to keep it close, but their defense has been really hanging on. And you gotta appreciate that defense that David Randa threw out there. And honestly, one was on a really, really, really bad push off. But at the same time, Oklahoma probably shouldn't score, shouldn't have scored 27 points considering. Some of the balls uh, Spencer Rattler threw in there, namely that last ball to Braden Willis that should have been picked. But at the same time, you know, Ramondre Stevenson dropped the ball going into the end zone. So it is what it is. Oklahoma got 27. That's the biggest gap for teams against Baylor this year. In Oklahoma and those Baylor teams, I mean, if they get it figured out on offense and David Rand is still around in a couple years, that team could be really, really gritty. It won't, it'll be the ab- absolute opposite of what the Art Bryles and Kendall Bryles experience was it, w- it won't be high-flying offense and barely any defense. It'll be a ton of defense and then just get it by on offense. Kind of what Matt Rule is actually already doing, uh, but a totally different offensive scheme. Now, you got to give Aranda credit. They killed Oklahoma's quick game, their screen game. Usually you can do that already by throwing it to Charleston Rambo on screens like they did. Yeah, that's a good way to kill your screen game. Um, but also, they made damn sure that they would block and they would muddy up Oklahoma's vaunted GT counter. They spread out wide, and they just completely shut Oklahoma's GT counter game down. That's why when Oklahoma ran a counter, but through the middle of the line, it was actually a pretty incredible uh, play. They had a lot of success because the defense was spread out so wide to stop Oklahoma's counter because that's what... Dave Aranda said they're going to do. They're going to shut down Oklahoma's GG counter run game and pack the box. And they did. They, and they did it well all single, all, all, every single play all night. Oklahoma had a, a few pops here or there for some decent runs. But realistically, nothing was happening for them. And Oklahoma had a great defensive day that they could rely on their defense. And Oklahoma had some a few big plays uh, in, the, in, in, in the past game. you know, and, that, and that's how they won this game. How concerning is all of that, though? <clears throat> I mean, like, if you look at the stats side by side, it doesn't say a lot for the Oklahoma team. Like, let's let's compare the stats side by side and see, you know, who we could say who won just based off of team stats. So, Baylor had more first downs. They had three more first downs. 
Um, Baylor had more yards passing, 263 to Oklahoma's 193. They also threw two interceptions. But Oklahoma had more yards rushing. But here's like Oklahoma had 76 yards rushing, guys, on 31 attempts. Two and a half yards per rush. Baylor just crushed them. And so Lincoln Riley, you know, in the offensive line, all these other guys are going to say, yeah, we need, we didn't, you know, we kind of mailed it in for this game. We need to be better. Like, holy crap. You weren't shocked after the first half? Because it didn't get any better after the second half. And Lincoln Riley is going to come out and say, eventually he says, you know, they weren't coached a damn lick this week. But, I mean, it's also good to say that Baylor had 25 yards rushing. They rushed the ball 26 times, and they had one yard per rush. And that doesn't even make any sense. If you rush the ball 26 times and you get 25 yards rushing, so it was actually a tiny bit less than one yard per rush. So Oklahoma was stuffing them all night, and Oklahoma won the possession battle by 20 seconds, 30 minutes in 10 seconds, as opposed to Baylor's 29 in 50 seconds. So Baylor outgained Oklahoma, but Oklahoma made the big plays. Oklahoma had a little bit more of a run game. Oklahoma didn't give it away. I mean, this game was close, and it shouldn't have been close, and so it's not really that concerning. The players were disappointed. The coaches were disappointed. What I really was, what gave me pause was Oklahoma's offensive line, because Oklahoma's defense is great. A couple of really questionable calls as far as non-pass interference, off OPIs, and one defensive pass interference. Those are pretty, a couple of them are pretty questionable, but Oklahoma's defensive line, I mean, Isaiah Thomas, you got to love him. You got to love how Oklahoma batted down like six or seven balls. You got to love Ronnie Perkins living in the backfield. <clears throat> but I had a really big issue with Oklahoma's offensive line getting just absolutely whipped up front several times. I mean, it looked like a free rush of Spencer Rattler four or five times. Not trying to get your best player on offense killed before the Big 12 title game. You know, I don't. I don't want a Tanner Mordecai going to Jerry World and facing off against a Brock Purdy. That sounds like a death sentence. It sounds. It sounds like a poor idea. So it did get. It didn't get much better in the second half. So I don't know. I need to go rewatch the game. I haven't rewatched the game yet, but it looked bad. It wasn't. And it wasn't any schematic things. They weren't twisting. They weren't stunting. They just beat them and split a double team immediately on the snap. It's incredible. Uh, it's infuriating, actually. Uh, but OU's defense was great all day. You saw a ton of players file in. You saw a lot of Brian Mead. I don't know what happened, but like you start to see a lot of Brian Mead, and you start to see a lot of David Aguebu. Brian Asamoa looked like pretty good. Pretty good, pretty early on, and then he just kind of stopped playing. I don't, I don't, I don't know what the deal was there. I need to go back and look at it. Uh, Oklahoma forced two turnovers, which they wanted to get that two turnover thing a game, and they're starting to really average that by putting a ton of pressure on the quarterback. And one of the one of the best players of the night, one of the guys that you're going to see, and one of the guys that's got a name for himself after tonight was, or after yesterday, was DJ Graham, true freshman. He was. He was recruited as a receiver, but more more so as an athlete. And the rumor was they might try him at receiver. And I think after this game and after what he's been through in practice and after he's progressed, I think Alex Grinch wants to keep him. He's a five foot eleven, and I didn't. Th- I thought he was taller than five foot eleven, but maybe just because of how thick he is. He's two hundred pounds as a cornerback. 
not a safety as a cornerback 200 pounds and before like the best the best defensive back Oklahoma had had and the heaviest he was I remember Aaron remember when Aaron Colvin was at OU and how tall was Aaron Colvin I don't even know like what 511 and he was like 175 and he got big he got he got he said he got big big and he got to 183 or something like that and now you have dudes running around six foot two six foot three one's 511 200 pounds 215 totally different defensive back uh, I, I believe DJ Graham, uh, I, I, I think he's a legacy at OU. I think I've got that right. And so you just love to see it. You love to see the future of this uh, the, this defense, what Alex Grinch is going to bring. And then, of course, Robert Barnes. I don't think anybody was expecting Robert Barnes to play safety for OU uh, last night. I think a lot of people would call you crazy if you said, oh, yeah, Robert Barnes is going to get the start at safety since he'd been working at linebacker all year. And he just hadn't played safety in a while. And when he had, it hadn't been that great because he's had some injury problems, but he's always stuck it through. And he played relatively well. I mean, he's he's now a really big safety. Uh, he, He put on some pounds to play linebacker. So now he's kind of a heavy safety. And he got a game ball for really sticking it out, for being a team player, and you really appreciate that for those guys. And I thought something that George Stoya brought up on Twitter was interesting, that Oklahoma's going to play Iowa State. I wonder if Oklahoma would put Robert Barnes in there to, to instead of maybe Ibuki. I wonder if Oklahoma would put Robert Barnes in there to help against guys like Charlie Kolar, to help against that big tight end frame where, you know, now... Robert Barnes, he was a safety, but now he's a linebacker. So now he's just a really, he could be a big safety. Uh, he still has ball skills. He's had, I'm, I don't know how much speed he's lost, but I imagine he could keep up with the Kolar. So I thought that was really, really intriguing. Um, we're going to go to a break for our sponsors, guys. And this is more along the lines of, you know, what's going on with the season. Oklahoma's going to play Iowa State. A lot of other things, talking about next season's defense and really what, you know, the the hires, the new hires after Shane Beamer and what, what direction Oklahoma might go to for after if Gundy does get selected for a job. It's not like Gundy can just say, all right, I'm going to be the new job. I'm going to be the new coordinator. He has to be selected. He's going to go interview. I'm sure Mark Stoops is looking for a lot of other things. Rumor is he may be looking for a guy that's more conservative than, than Kale Gundy, but who knows. But Let's go to a break. I'll see you guys right after that. And we're back. I've always wanted to do that. It's like an SNL skit. Uh, it's always fun. It was the one with Jimmy Fallon before the late night show in Ben Affleck, maybe? Okay, anyways. Guys, we we have to we have to have a discussion about our fellow Sooner fans and people, and we just need to talk. I think satire and sarcasm is lost among our friends and our family members and everything else. This is the second year in a row I've tweeted this thing, and the olds, it's usually the olds, they just don't understand. They cannot grasp grasp what is happening. So I said yesterday, a big rumors floating around about Lincoln Riley having a meeting at the Dallas Cowboy facilities in two weeks. Clearly, it's a joke about the Big 12 title game happening at Jerry World in two weeks or whatever, whenever December 19th is. Yeah. And 
you have you have a lot of people yet okay yet a minority of people were like ah oh, that's a good joke haha <laughs> somebody just now said this joke is too clever for twitter which i found out is pretty accurate it, it is because you had a lot of really angry people you had a lot yeah football tony dumbass uh yeah she's so she's such a goddamn idiot um and, and people are like, there's no way to leave. And I was like, I didn't say he was leaving. People were getting angry. They're like, then why are you saying this? Uh, people are stupid. People are really, really stupid. It, it's incredible to me. And because it's the same thing happened last year. Uh, and then you had the sad Dallas Cowboy fans. And I really felt bad for them. They're like, oh, please, God, please be true. I was like, nope. Nope, not happening. And last year, the joke was definitely not received well at all. Like, it was far received, way less as i don't know it, it had a much angrier reaction last year and because last year was the time jason garrett was fired and dallas was definitely looking for a head coach so last year the rumors were better and it's just it's it's unbelievable it truly is i love all of it i remember saying this the last time this many old people were angry pearl harbor had happened and a lot of people got really, really, really angry at that statement. But I was, I'm not wrong. Like, really? Come on, people. G be better. And I saw it made it to Facebook already. I love, I love people. And I love everybody's family members that are Sooner fans. But guys, we got to be better. We got to understand sarcasm better. It's, it's not good. This is bad. But anyways, talking about the Sooners, something that we've noticed or maybe that you haven't noticed, or whatever. I mean, Austin Stogner has a staff infection. I mean, he, he'll be fine, right? He may be he may be available for the Big 12 title game, or maybe the bowl game. Who knows if it's played? But it's pretty clear Oklahoma needs either Stogner or Mikey Henderson, one of the two. If they have both, then excellent. But they need one of the two to actually be dynamic on offense, and that kind of filters into another thing from yesterday's game which I really did not like the personnel groupings Lincoln Riley was sending out there there's too much there's too much Rambo by the way too much Rambo on screens and by the way when Rambo did go deep the ball would hit him in the hands and he dropped it like twice I believe they hit him in the hands I mean it wasn't even a chess thing uh, Theo Howard he had actually a pretty decent game as far as you know moving the sticks being reliable but why is Weiss not out there as much? And I, Drake can stay. Drake has earned his playing time. He blocks as like a like a freaking angry man on the edge on the outside. He's running like a thousand yards a game, just identifying what the defense wants to do. Drake has, gets a gold star in my book for this year. He's going to be actually a really good player, a pivotal player actually in this offense next year. Not like a guy that's really important to the game plan, but. Uh, he's one of the glue guys that you that you like to say. I mean, I mean, it sounds racist, but it's like he's the white glue guy, the Julian Edelman, the Wes Welker. You know, he's there. He makes the the catches in the middle of the zones, and he's got reliable hands. Sure, and uh, you know, you, you love to see that. I think he's going to be a really important guy from the years to come. And he's not even on scholarship, which is even better. Uh, my issue here is play Theo Weismore. and why are we dressing Jaden Hazelwood? If he can only play six six snaps in the game, or I, he probably played more than six snaps, but it definitely wasn't more than ten. Why is he dressing out if he can't play over guys like Theo Howard? Maybe he isn't all the way there yet, is what we're saying. It seems I I I have big doubts that he's not already better 
than a Charleston Rambo, or at least wouldn't be better for this offense than Charleston Rambo, just because of his size and his his range of mobility to catch the ball. If he can only go ten, if he can only go ten snaps a game, why is he dressing up? If he's not fully healthy or fully available to go, don't play him. Make sure he's in street clothes to make sure he doesn't further possibly injure something. It makes no sense to me. I don't understand that. But Oklahoma won the game 27-14. You're throwing out all the stats, and you're just hoping that that was just a weird outlier because they didn't really practice that much. Everybody was gone from the facilities, whatever, all the other things that they're saying. But we'll see what happens against West Virginia, who has another good defensive front this Saturday. The game's going to be played at 11 a.m. Not sure which which channel. I think it's probably ABC, but who knows. Um you know, West Virginia is another team, kind of like Baylor, that their record does not necessarily indicate how decent of a team they have been. They've been really, really tough defensively. Their offense has been kind of anemic at times with Seth Deegee. And, you know, it'll be an interesting game. I expect Oklahoma to wear the Rough Rider uniforms because they always wear it down to, um, oh, over there in West Virginia, wherever the heck they are. I can't remember where they are even where they even play right now. Wow. Must not be significant to me, I guess. Who knows? I just know that you know, country roads take me home. You know, John John Denver. That that John Denver's full of shit, man. Uh, but <laughs> anyways, well, let's talk about next year's defense because we'll talk about we'll, we'll preview West Virginia with the guys at the most at smoking musket this week. Let's talk about the defense for next year. It's pretty clear Ronnie Perkins is probably likely very leaving this team. I would put it at ninety percent. And that might be a little high, but I mean, it's pretty clear as soon as he made his way onto the team, the team's defense immediately got better. And not only that, but he's just been killing people ever since he's been back, which I'm not sure Oklahoma has one of the best havoc rates in the NCAA just because they're that good. Nick Benito on on PFF, Ronnie Perkins on PFF, Isaiah Thomas, all those dudes, they're killing it. Yeah, sure. But I don't know if it's because they're that great or if the offenses in the Big 12 this year have been piss poor. You saw what happened to OSU yesterday. Hasn't been very good. Like We'll see again against West Virginia, but notably Iowa State, how much of a difference Ronnie Perkins, which it will make a large difference, Ronnie Perkins or Mondre Stevenson will make. But I think Ronnie's leaving after this year. Just makes too much sense. Now, Perian Winfrey... That's an interesting thing because he made a splash as soon as he walked onto the field for Oklahoma. You could tell he is going to be a big player for Oklahoma. I'm I have him 55% leaving based on nothing. Based on nothing. He just had a really good showing this year. You could convince him to come back and say, "Hey, listen, we got all these other dudes coming back, Jalen Redmond." If you could convince Ronnie Perkins to come back, holy crap, that's amazing. But you have all these dudes coming back. You're building depth. You're getting more JUCO guys in, and you get another Jalen Redmond in there. I mean, if you go to the college football playoff next year, I don't think they'll make it this year. They shouldn't. But if you go to the college football playoff next year, you play the same way under an Alex Grinch defense, which is likely to be even better next year. You're you get more you get more more notoriety. I mean, you go go to the college football playoff, your name's gonna be there all in lights, and of course, with the massive team success we're having on defense, you'll have a lot of individual success. So I think that's something Perry and Winfrey should. I'm sure that's something the coaches will talk to him about. And then you got other guys coming back next year. Nick Benito, Jalen Redmond has been rehabbing and doing well. Corey Roberson, uh, uh, Jordan Kelly, Joshua Ellison, 
Caleb Kelly, all the young DBs, Graham, Woody Washington, Jaden Davis, Joshua Eaton, uh, Harrington, who's going to be really big this year and then got hurt before the season even started, DTY, Buki, even though you guys don't want to hear that. Oklahoma's got a lot of guys coming back next year. I didn't even mention Bryson Washington or Jeremiah Cradell. They have a ton of dudes. Oh, and Trey Norwood. You know, there's, there's so many guys they have coming back next year. Uh, that, that's just in the in the DBs. We haven't talked about David Aguebu, Shane Witter, who I really like, Brian Asamo, who I really like. There's there's so many guys, Deshaun White, that are going to be back next year. And I think this defense that Alex Grinch has had, what he's done in two years from last year to this year, and like, of course, like I just said, the offenses this year maybe aren't as good as they've been in a while. Last year, Oklahoma. Alex Grinch did a lot with did a lot with what Mike had given him in one year, and then this year they plan to take the next step. And I thought, you know what? Maybe the defense would take a step back initially, and then be but be pretty solid overall. And that's what they did. They have, they, that's what they've done. And they he Alex Grinch, all the credit due to him and his coaching staff and the players are putting in the work because they've had an incredible year. Uh, they really have just gotten after it. They're one of the best uh, rush defenses in the country. Uh, I think I believe they're top 30 in S&P Plus defensively. Just a lot going on for them. It, it, you can't say anything negative about Alex, Alex Grinch. I mean, he, he's done a great job at OU. And you hope that him and Lincoln Riley have this partnership as far as like, yes, Lincoln Riley's the head coach, but more along, along the lines of he's the head coach of the offense and Alex Grinch will be the head coach of the defense, and those guys just kind of share things. I wouldn't be surprised if Alex Grinch got a massive raise very soon in the future. Now, Shane Beamer, I'm very curious to see who his replacement is going to be, right? Is he going to be a guy that, you know, uh, McGuire from Baylor, he's known to be like as a rainmaker, a guy that just gets a lot of recruits in and out. Uh, Rashad Samples, guys that bring in recruits is that, is that what Lincoln Riley is going to trend toward or is he going to trend toward more of a guy that's a coach's a coach's coach that maybe isn't as hot on recruiting but who knows because here's the deal with Lincoln Riley he hasn't necessarily for his hires gone on the beaten path of his buddies like Bob did and that's not a, I mean that's kind of a slight to Bob but Lincoln Riley went out and got largely un, un, unknown to him, like not connected at all, and Jamar Kane from Arizona State. And it, it it's paying dividends not only in the coaching part of the side, but it's also paying dividends in recruiting. DeMarco Murray, of course, that one's a given. That, that one's too easy. But it seems like DeMarco Murray is more along the lines of a recruiter than maybe a coach, but who knows? I'm not in those meetings. I don't know. Uh, you got You've got Roy Manning. Uh, who comes from, of course, Alex Grinch's guys, because Alex Grinch, you've got Brian Odom with him in Missouri, uh, Roy Manning, that they worked in the capacities. And so Lincoln Riley's not hiring guys within his system. So when people say, oh, you know, who should coach this? I have already seen people throw out, Mark Mangino should come back and coach. Like, Chuck Long, like, what are you doing? No, it hasn't worked. It, it didn't work under Bob Stoops. Patton? Uh, Kittle? No, stop hiring within your tree so much and go find the best talent, the young talent. You know, um, it seems like future and then former 
Texas Longhorn coach, Urban Meyer, you know, <laughs> that's a that's a fun thing. I, I don't believe he's going to be a head coach over there. So it should be interesting to see what Texas does because, it, like Herbie said it best on college, uh, college Football Saturday, I, I've been saying that for a long time. Texas, people need to reevaluate how they think about Texas. They really do. People always have these high expectations for them because they have the most money available and they have the most players available. But statistically, according to their history, they've always been above average. 9-3, and 10-2 seasons, and here or there they'll have a great season and make it to the national title and win one, you know? And that's it. That's Texas football. Their goal this year was to win a Big 12 title. Oklahoma's goal was not to win a Big 12 title. It was to go to the college football playoff. That tells you the difference in what they're doing. Texas is like, oh, we're going to compete at the top for Oklahoma. Really? Texas makes fun of Oklahoma, Texas fans anyways. Try to make fun of Oklahoma fans saying, well, you got another Big 12 title, but you don't have another, you don't have, you lost in the college football playoff. But their entire goal this year was to make it to the Big 12 championship game. The last time they made it there, they got swatted down by Oklahoma, which is incredibly satisfying, by the way. So I think it's really intriguing. And then... I'm curious what direction Oklahoma goes in if Gundy, Kale Gundy, were to be the guy for Mark Stoops. Does he promote internally? Does he go out and find somebody else within his, in Mike Leach's tree for guys to play that, to guys that coach that inside receiver position? Because Gundy has always been an elite recruiter at Oklahoma as far as running backs and wide receivers. But most notably running backs. You can move the inside receiver because that will help you really understand the offense totally. I wonder what would happen and who would you go after? Would you go for a more experienced guy or do you go for a more recruiting guy? It's I'm just really curious to see of all these things that may not even matter in the end. But anyways, guys, we're going to be dropping another podcast with you guys probably sometime Wednesday previewing the West Virginia game I, I believe Oklahoma's COVID test should get better over the week with the new CDC guidelines and now all the students being on camp off campus and now being able to actually like because you know the Oklahoma students they didn't come back to campus they're not coming back to school uh in person since Thanksgiving break so technically they kind of have their own little Headington Hall bubble again and so I'm very curious to see how that will affect the bowl games how it'll affect the conference championship games it's really intriguing to see how that'll go about but anyways guys Follow us on Crimson or Cream Machine.com. It's brought to you guys by SB Nation. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you're first time listening to the podcast, go ahead and hit that, hit that subscribe button and even leave a five-star rating and review. I always really appreciate you guys for doing that. You can follow us on Twitter. They're at CC Machine. You can follow at uh, me at Kamarabi and at CCM. Uh, you can follow Alan Kenny, who always drops a great podcast and always is on top of everything in college football. He's a graduate of Northwestern. The man is a genius. Um, that's about it. I'm Kami. I'm Robin. Thanks for listening to all this stuff. Check you guys later. I'm out.